welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Yak Sports Podcast time. I'm Leland McRae, Joe Deck with me. We're going to start with high school like usual. Joe, you and I were out at Buffalo Gap Friday night, and we were expecting at least some contention, I think, in that game, and we didn't get any. Riverheads absolutely dominated that football game pretty much from the onset. I don't know what this we business is. I was expecting Buffalo Gap to suffer. Did you did you expect them not to score? I expected them to maybe score. Yeah. See, that's what I thought. I thought, you know, a, a first quarter of like a tie game, 14-7, and then Riverheads goes on and does their business from there. I That's, that's what I mean. I, I thought we'd get a moment of uh, – where it was contested, but Riverhead stopped them, stopped Buffalo Gap on their second drive of the football game after they drove the field, and then immediately 90 yard, 90 yard touchdown from Luke Bryant, and you know might as well pack it up from there because it was just all Riverheads. All the push came from Riverheads from then on. Yeah, that was kind of you're right. I mean, they got close that first drive, but never got close again, and. And they were in the red zone one more time, but it was, the game was already over at that point. I mean, it was it was the second half, and it was decided. So yeah, but they they, they struggled to move the ball. Period. Uh, it was just not a good game for Buffalo Gap, and that's kind of what you and I had been saying. You know, we were worried that they were too one dimensional. Now the crazy part is, over half their yards came through the air. They actually, I thought, did a pretty good job scheming wise from the pass game. It was just the run game was non-existent. They couldn't get it going. And, and what we're learning, and maybe good news for Buffalo Gap when they play Wilson, uh, Wilson's getting bullied right now by Rockbridge. Yeah, um, short week business. We're going to get to it in a minute. But, uh. but maybe the good news for Buffalo Gap is if you can dominate the line of scrimmage, they're fine. They're going to be able to control a ball game. Um, but when you're playing Riverheads, that's just not the case. You're not going to do that. So they had a tough time and a tough tough time just getting anything going on the ground and that was a little bit surprising. Like you said, I figured they'd you know, be able to maybe score before it uh, – well, score period, but score before it got to like a 35-point running clock situation. Um, but yeah. they just really didn't have anything going offensively, and then defensively they couldn't stop Riverheads. I mean, Riverheads was basically doing whatever they wanted whenever they wanted, and, and that's a problem for Buffalo Gap yeah. that they're going to have to figure out when they get ready to play Wilson, because they do have Noah Campbell, who is going to be a guy they go to a lot, and then Skylar Whitting uh, on the uh, outside. So they're going to have to find a way to slow them down. And, and first, they have Stuart Straff. Stuart Straff yeah, that's, a, that's a tough team that likes yeah. to run the ball, too. Yeah, 42 nothing. Draft was up, uh, I believe 42 nothing, but close to that, if not. Uh, Stanton adds on 20 points in the fourth quarter. They scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, so that doesn't mean as much to me uh, for that 20 uh, as it could. Uh, Aaron Knight scored six touchdowns. And when you talk about Buffalo Gap needing to stop Campbell when they play Wilson, they're going to have to stop Aaron Nice mm-hmm. this week. Uh, you know, <laughs> Aaron Nice is going to catch up with the uh, score in, in the district if he's going to score six touchdowns a game. But, you know, Stan didn't provide much resistance there. But I think I think the story here is moving forward. you got Buffalo Gap, George Draft. These are two teams that have faced each other a good bit recently, obviously yearly in the district, but also some playoff games in these last recent years, including last year. And so these are two teams that really know each other. Um, Buffalo Gap does throw in the wrinkle of running a slightly different uh, offense than what they had been running. 
it does match what Riverheads tries to do. So it's not going to be um, foreign to what uh, Stuart Straft is ready to see. And so look how well Stuart Straft plays Riverheads and how well they know that team. And then now Buffalo Gap's going to walk right into that. I, I was probably more optimistic for Gap to compete in this game against Stuart Straff before last weekend and seeing them not really compete against Riverheads and seeing Stuart Straft not really skip a beat offensively like I thought was maybe possible uh, just with the rust of not playing for 21 days. Now, I kind of said this on the pregame. Stuart Straft isn't the reason these games didn't get played, so they need to be ready to go. They need to be going like they were practicing the entire time, waiting for the season to start. Uh, they they did. And they're playing Stanton, who is probably uh, the last place team in the Shenandoah District this year. At best case scenario, they're the sixth best team in the Shenandoah District. And Stuart Straff came out and beat them like that. So I'll, I'll just say this, Leland. I, the reason I was... You know, it sounds like I was overlooking Stewart's draft for Buffalo Gap. It's more like I'm just looking past the game. I just don't think they have a chance. Like, I saw, you saw Stewart's draft hold Riverheads in check for an entire first half, at least. Now, I know in the second half, Riverheads kind of woke up and then body bagged Stewart's draft in that second half. But Buffalo Gap doesn't have the same kind of level that Riverheads does. So you're asking me, do I think Stuart Straft is going to be able to have an answer for Buffalo Gap? Yeah, I, I think yeah. They, oh, yeah. they, they absolutely controlled Riverheads for a half. Now they're playing Riverheads light. I think they'll be able to control them for four quarters. Yeah, and I, I think their offense is going to be better because Buffalo Gap's defense isn't as good as Riverheads. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. So, um, I mean, Buffalo Gap has an opportunity to prove us wrong this week, but I don't see it happening. Uh, the other game that happened Friday has Wilson beaten Fort. That rolls into Wilson playing Riverheads this week. But in the meantime, they have a game Tuesday night, tonight, while we're recording, and they are getting blown out by Rockbridge. The last I saw was 27-6, um, and that's probably what will be close to the final there. And uh, I just – I, we beat it over the head on Friday night on the radio. I hate the three games in eight days. I, I think the two games in five days is bad enough. I just not, not good. And uh, I was watching this game on NFHS earlier and the D looked confused and slow. And from a D that we've seen perform pretty well this year, really surprised me. I don't like how, I guess that what I was thinking early in this game was, wow, Wilson's come out slow again. That's three weeks in a row. Or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if they came out slow against Western Almar, but they came out slow against Spotswood. They came out slow against Fort. So that's two of the last three games they had come out slow. And I thought, okay, they're starting slow against Rockbridge. Well, they never got it going. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't do that against Riverheads. Uh, coming up Friday, coming off this big loss. Saturday. Just days yeah. ahead of this. Coming up on Saturday, excuse me. And then they're not going to be able to afford to do that against draft going forward. So, uh, again, you know, this is me thinking draft is sitting in better position based on the opponents and what, what they're showing me. What Gap showed me Friday, it, it makes me think they're further away from draft than I was maybe trying to make up. And, and then now here, Wilson. Wilson's kind of been that team from the beginning of the season. I'm like, hey, 
we got to watch as we things build towards that game, Wilson and Swiss draft. And I, I think less of that now. I think these guys will be so beaten down after this week of three games in eight days that rolling into the next week of Stewart's draft, yeah, they'll have a couple extra days and a normal week's rest. But I just think morale might be bashed by then. I, I think this was, I don't know. You got Maybe you do what Stewart's draft's doing. I, we, we talked last week, and Stewart's draft thought they had it all figured out. There's a newspaper article saying, hey, Stewart's draft has the forfeit from James River. They have the forfeit from Loray. Uh, the well, William Monroe game is a no contest. Seems like everything's figured out. Well, the VHSL doesn't know any of this. VHL puts out the rankings that draft just didn't play any of those games, and it's no contest as, as it looks now. Uh, and so now here's another newspaper article where Patrick's emailing back and forth with uh, the AD out there, Hartley, and, and they're trying Mike to get McCall. things straight with the VHSL. And it doesn't surprise me at all because ahead of the newspaper articles, I said, hey, these ratings might come out and there might be things that don't look the same way the next week while people see what they have and get things figured out. But I guess the newspaper article a week ago made me think, okay, there's been some communication, but I, you know, it either wasn't received or it didn't happen. And um, so still things to figure out on drafts. It looks like they're, you know, forcing Loray to either say, come play us or do the forfeit. And um, I, I think it's be interesting to see how that one works out. I think, I think they do have the commitment of forfeit from James river from what I'm reading, but yeah, they're going to want to be careful maybe, about maybe, that, though. Maybe Wilson maybe wanted to needed to do that with Rockbridge and say, hey, you guys had to cancel because, I mean, playing this game, no doubt in my mind, if that game was played when it should have been played in week two or three of the season, I think Wilson wins that game. I still do. Even after watching that game, I still think Wilson wins that game if it's played as normally scheduled. Uh, so I think it's a big shame that they they've squeezed it in there. I, I don't think these boys were at their best. I do, too. I mean, obviously, the team had what, one day? of preparation for for Rockbridge. So, and this goes into this, right? I don't think this is safe. I think the VHSL needed to say, look. You got to fit into your open week or you're not doing it. Yes, exactly. Because this is not safe. This is playing three games in eight days is just straight up not safe. I didn't like it when Broadway did it last year. I don't like it when Wilson's doing it this year. I think it is absolutely reckless. We said these same statements Friday before anybody had played the first of the three games in eight days. So it's not just the results pushing this. Yes. I, I, I want to make that clear to listeners that Friday, as we more understood what was about to happen for Wilson, we didn't like it then either. If this isn't seeing a result from Tuesday and getting offended that they played. No, we were like this ahead of it. Yeah, I, I just don't like it. I think I think you're right. I think if they had played week two, they would have housed Rockbridge. Now you're seeing what happens when you have – virtually zero preparation for a team um, and you're playing on with 48 hours. uh, Well, I guess 72 hours between games, but yeah, I just doesn't make any sense to me. And now you play riverheads coming up on Saturday and cool. At least you get two days preparation for that. I guess Uh, I don't know. It's just going to be bad. Because you got to give them a day off after the game. I mean, I think. I I mean, I guess they'll go watch film only or something like that. But, I mean, you you just don't have enough days. Uh, I mean, in a normal game week, you're going to get Saturday and Sunday both physically off. And Yeah, Saturday's your film. Monday, Mm -hmm. when I was at Riverheads, a lot of times Monday was pretty chill. I mean, you know, I'm not saying we we went out there, we, we stretched, we'd go through some drills. 
Uh, but there wasn't a whole lot of hitting on Mondays. And there was some film review. Uh, there was weightlifting. I mean, we did a lot of stuff that wasn't impact. And then Tuesday and Wednesday got after it. And, you know, now <laughs> you're trying to show up three days into one tomorrow. I guess, you know, hope your body heals for two days worth. And maybe you watch some film on Riverheads. But then you got Wednesday and then Thursday, I, I guess, your days of hitting. I, I don't know. Every program acts different. But then you do have the – so you're not playing Friday, but that's not additional. That's <laughs> mercy. You know, that's – thank goodness Riverheads agreed to play them on Saturday. Um, and that's, you know, that's uh, district partners, you know, doing what you have to, to to let another team play, let the boys play. But I just don't man. like it. I just I don't like, don't it, like it. I think it's I think it's not safe. But hopefully I nobody gets hurt. Agree. That's what I'm hoping. I hope the kids don't pay for foolish decisions by adults. I didn't notice any injuries in tonight's game when I was watching on FHS. Of course, it's not a, a TV broadcast where uh, you know announcers are bringing right. up something you might have missed while you weren't watching. Um, so uh, you know, I, I hope we hear the best out of coming out of that, and I hope Saturday goes safely for these kids. Yeah. Uh, Waynesboro gets back into action. They play Rockbridge Friday. So, okay, to be fair, to be fair in this conversation, Rockbridge has done the same thing. They played Friday against Spotswood yeah. and won that game. And then they played today. Now, this is a Jekyll and Hyde team, so I'm not going to say they, you know, looked so much better because they had just played. I, I, you know, maybe they suffered too. I was just looking from Wilson's aspect. I've watched a lot. Play I don't think it's safe that Rockbridge is doing it either. Yeah. Not safe for them either. Well, and they're playing Friday, aren't they? Or are they playing they're Saturday playing. too? Uh, you know what? I am not sure about that. The schedule says the 15th on what I'm looking at, but it doesn't even have the Wilson game. So I, um, if I can come up with the answer to that, they're playing three games in seven days. That AD deserves to be smacked with a frying pan and he'd be a new AD there. Well, so he deserves to be a one term AD one year AD. If he did that, (laughs) I don't know if you bring the fire frying pan with you. They purchased a new frying pan. For you to get beat with, if that's the case. Uh, it's got to be old. I'm not wasting money on a new frying pan to smack this. So are we talking like uh, griddle, like uh, that cast game's, iron? That game has got to be Saturday. I, I just can't imagine iron? you shoving three games in seven days. I can't imagine somebody at the VHSL not catching that. I mean, is it? didn't we criticize Bishop Sycamore for playing two and three? Like, is three and seven really that much better? District website says Friday. Well then I would be in support of that AD maybe not being an AD anymore. Because I think he definitely does not have the children's safety in heart when he's making that decision. You're going you're gonna to have a hard time explaining to me how three games in seven days makes a whole hell of a lot of sense when your first priority is supposed to be the health and safety of the kids that are in your protection, in your ward. And I'm just not sure who is the AD down there now because uh, it's probably better that we don't know. <laughs> Adam Haynes. Well, because uh, he he will have just taken over um, for um, it's ridiculous that I sadly uh, why am I blanking on his name? He's at Fort now, coaching the girls. <laughs> oh, Gail. Yeah, Mike Gale. Yeah. I had the mic. I couldn't come up with the Gale. Yeah, Mike Gale uh, just left being the AD there. So I, I don't know. I, I don't like any of this. I know it's a tough year, but uh, it's I mean, better just to take a forfeit. If you don't even play it, it's just better it, it's to take a games. forfeit. It's not, it's yeah. One less game. Yeah. It's, if you're, I mean, I saw some school 
I think on the Eastern Shore, oh, maybe it might have been Southwest. I need, I need to look this back up. They're playing like twice a week, every week for the next four weeks. And I'm that's not said, safe. You know, like, how is that safe? These kids are not being administered correctly if people are allowing that to happen. I'm sorry. I know you don't want the kids to miss a moment of high school football in their career, but that's not safe. Eventually, the adults have to step in and be like, okay, this sucks, but this isn't safe. Like, there's a reason we don't let high schoolers go binge drink all the time either. That's what they really want to do. It's not safe, so we don't let them do it. You don't play three games in seven days. It's not safe. Head injuries are a thing. Physical injuries are a thing. Three games in seven days is not safe. Anybody in an administration who schedules that and allows it, it should be fired with cause, no pay, doesn't get another job in the state of Virginia. Maybe they can go to some other state that doesn't care about kids' safety. Maybe they can go Texas, where football matters more. I don't know. But they should not be – you should not be employed by the Commonwealth of Virginia, in my opinion, if you schedule three games in seven days. That is reckless. Yeah, I'm not going to get this while we're sitting here. But, yeah, there, there is somebody playing a bunch of games in the next four weeks, and uh, I think it's sad. Um, so there we go. I think all these games this week, I think, I think the only game we can really talk about where we're not eh, – Rockbridge-Waynesboro, there's probably some debate. But let's talk Fort Stanton. Who, who do you got winning that thing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll take Fort. Uh, I, I've – at least I can see like improvement from Ford. Stanton. They've won in the last four weeks. Yeah, Stanton you know? has kind of treaded water and maybe gone backwards a little bit. I just haven't seen enough out of their offense that excites me. For Ford Defiance, I'm at least seeing growth from the young kids. Maybe they can win a game. That's a real toss up, though. I think that could be a that game could go either way. I think if Ford Defiance just pins their ears back and and overtakes that offensive line like mm-hmm. we'd expect them to. Um, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think uh, Fort Defiance can definitely win that game, which a couple weeks ago I, I never would have said. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm to the point where I'm thinking Fort. I'm not locking that in as my pick quite yet, but I, I still think uh, that's the way it's going. Yeah. I mean, we talked about draft gap and Riverheads Wilson is, yeah, we touched on that. I think Waynesboro beats Rockbridge. I would have said that a couple weeks ago, and now that Rockbridge is playing three games in seven days, even if they win the game, they won, they won two of them. I hope no one gets hurt in that game, but I hope Waynesboro beats them by 50 points, and then I hope Waynesboro's coach goes over there and tells their AD he's an idiot. He won't. for that as well. He won't because that's probably not what a professional does, but (laughs) someone should report him to Child Protective Services. A professional across the way shouldn't be scheduling – yeah, somebody days. should call him and report him to Child Protective Services. That's not safe. High school volleyball, Fort Defiance. They had a good week winning their two games. They did drop a set to Stanton. Let's talk about Stanton. They beat Buffalo Gap and then took a set for Fort Defiance before they lost. So I take that as a positive week if I'm Stanton, uh, Coach Whitney Vaughn mm-hmm. there, uh, doing a good job. She, she hasn't had them winning game after game after game, but she's able to get a lot out of them at certain times. I think beating Gap is a, is a great win for them. Uh, Gap's kind of been that team we've been really positive about this season and the wins that they've had. And so uh, good job for Stanton, and that's a, that's a good week. And now they can roll that into a game against Wilson. That's going to be a tough matchup for them. But we've seen Stanton beat tough teams, and I, I, don't, I think you know, Wilson's beatable if, if they go into that with that mentality. So I'm looking for a big week from Stanton. Yeah, 
Um, just making Wilson work, if nothing else, right? Yeah, getting that fifth set would be big for them. Um, that would be exciting. And then I think the other thing to look at there in, in volleyball right now is kind of that uh, increasing gap, let's say. Fort Defiance, we've, we've, we talk about this every week, I feel like. They're definitely one. Wilson, definitely two, probably. Um, but Riverheads, Coach Moore, and then Coach Vaughn, I know Riverheads has a two-game gap on Stanton, but I'm just interested to see what happens when those two teams meet again. And then if Buffalo Gap, they play Riverheads and then they play Draft, that's kind of an important week for them this week coming up. Because if if Buffalo Gap doesn't do well, then they are in real trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you'd assume they could pick up a Draft win, but that Riverheads, like, they they've beat Riverheads last time they played. So mm-hmm. you got to be right back at that. So, yeah, they're kind of teetering there on the edge. Um, and I didn't bring up the 1B standings uh, recently, but, we, you know, we are. We're talking ratings, and we're going to circle back to ratings. But um, as far as volleyball goes, you have Buffalo Gap sitting second in Region 1B behind Alta Vista. You know, they have people right under here. Here's Lunenburg, the um, – Appomattox Regional Governor School, they're all sitting right on the heels of Buffalo Gap, and then there's Riverheads right right behind them there. So Buffalo Gap lose, drops it this week to Riverheads. That could really shift uh, the power in 1B there a good bit. So I, I, I think it's a very important game between those two teams that are in the same region now. Yeah, they're in the same district, but they're in the same region again. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, you're going to want to be careful there if you're Buffalo Gap because you just don't want to fall behind and and then be in trouble. Yeah. And I think that's where the race is. And we know, we know what class three is doing with rock bridge and where Fort wants to make sure they don't see them till a a region final. They're going to, they're going to battle with Wilson in the process. Wilson pushed them last time they played. They're going to play again. Um, Class two, it's Stuart Strapp. They're not having the greatest season. So I'm really interested to see how this class one goes, knowing how much success Riverheads has had these last seasons and the fact that Gap's already beat them once this season. I, I think there is a lot of interest right there in class one volleyball. I said, we, you know, talk about ratings. I wanted to do circle back to football ratings because we, uh, I wanted to get out of it because I was so mad about these uh, multiple games in, in a week. Um, football ratings came out and – you know, that's how we know Stuart Straff's ratings apparently are all messed up, so we, we won't dig into that again. But as expected, in Class 1, Riverheads is number one by six rating points. And uh, so, you know, they'd have to lose multiple times for them to really drop below that. Uh, and Buffalo Gap, you know, every win's going to matter for them. I think that Wilson game, even though that's not a in-region game, I think that's a very important game for them to stay in that 2-3 spot. They do have a little bit of cushion above Sussex Central, who's sitting at four, Buffalo Gap at three. But, um, yeah, it's a cushion you don't want to play with. I don't see Buffalo Gap falling out of the top four unless they lose a game we really don't expect them to. Um, but that that's what you're looking like in class one. Class two, with it all messed up, Stuart Straff sitting at fourth. I, I think legitimately they're first or second right now, just depending on how – probably first because it would be a Larray forfeit um, if it goes the way they think. Um, mm-hmm. And then – in Class 3C, Wilson is the only local team that's sitting in a playoff spot as of now. Uh, I refuse to use the uh, if the season ends today phrase because I, I think that's a terrible phrase to say in, during a pandemic. <laughs> but they're sitting at fourth. Uh, but they do have tough games ahead of them. This week against Riverheads, 
the next week against uh, Stewart's draft. So um, they got a lot. They got a lot coming here. Well, and here's the other thing to take into account, Leland. We, you know, like we're saying, we expect Stewart's draft to pick up a couple wins and Loretta to pick up a loss when the next ratings come out. Yeah. Um, we don't know what other schools that applies to that we that aren't in our area we're not thinking about, right? For That's like one B and two uh, B and three C even. Uh, we're great at following you know the schools in our area yeah. and we know those, but there's some schools on here that don't have six games and you're like, oh okay, what's yeah. what's the I deal know there? Strasburg sitting at five right behind them. They have some of those three games, seven days or eight days situations ahead of them. So I think that makes up for their. Uh, one less game. Right, but uh, what about Central Lunenburg? They've got four. Sussex has four. And and does LeRae have another forfeit out there that needs to be addressed? Or another, you know, they, they have another game that they've missed right. um, at this point. So all that's got to be sorted yep. out. So, so, so you're right. It'll be interesting to see what happens as know. that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens as that goes along. But I will say this. Wilson losing, assuming Wilson does not have a miracle comeback in them against Rockbridge. And they dropped a no, four and two. I, and then they lose to Riverheads four and three. We had been talking about Wilson Memorial maybe having a home playoff game and potentially maybe making, you know, winning a first round playoff game. I think that's gone. I think right now they will be a, if they're lucky, they'll be a six. Probably a seven or an eight. And they will get absolutely hammered, whether they're a six, seven, or eight. I agree with you. The six, seven, or eight are likely to be uh, Liberty Christian, Heritage, and Brookville in some order like that. And I agree. All, all of those teams are better than Wilson. They really want to stay in that four or five spot um, if they can. Uh, I think know, that's out of the question. If, yeah, I mean, if they they're going to have to be they're going to have to beat Buffalo Gap. They're going to lose too. I, yeah. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough sledding. Yeah. It's going to have to be, you better beat Stewart's draft. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. Or Riverheads. When I look, yeah. When I look down the list and I see Fort Defiance sitting at 15, it doesn't surprise me. But they'll probably rise up the rankings losing to Riverheads and Stewart's (laughs) draft teams without many losses. Like they'll probably move up ahead of Spotswood. Maybe Charlottesville because of that, um, but at the same time, Waynesboro is a touch lower, and they they've already lost to Riverheads in Stewart's draft, so it, it does make me question that. Um, I don't, you know, I was Waynesboro is not going to get in. Waynesboro to make the playoffs, and I don't seeing these ratings made me think a lot less. I was yep. I was figuring they wouldn't be sitting in, but like maybe right around that nine ten spot, and here they can go through the Valley District and, and find a way to win two of the four and get in. Um, I think even if they win two of the four, they're still going to be right on that edge. And, and if they're already sitting at 12 at this point, I, I think that's a bad sign for them. Yeah. Um, I think they've got to win three or four in the other three or four, on. three or four, maybe get some in. I, I think three or four gets them in. Cause they'll be beating teams ahead of them. Ahead of them. Yeah. Broadway, Rockbridge and, and Turner Ashby. So those teams will drop some as they come down. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think they're at that point. It's going to be dicey for them for sure, yeah. Hey, you, you know, you got to beat. Wilson that Buffalo Gap Cap, game really hurt him. Know? Yeah, the Buffalo Gap game really hurt him. It really did. It really did. So that's the ratings. We'll probably be talking about those weekly now. 
um, as the season keeps going. Uh, not much to talk about around the state because it's all most of the teams that you recognize. We'll worry about more about other teams as we approach the playoffs. Uh, high school golf happened. The finals uh, have all happened. Uh, and I don't have an update from class three for team, but it didn't involve any of our teams. But then class two, we had a great finisher from the region in 2B from draft, Nicholas Jones. Uh, he was the low man coming out of the region. Uh, he had a tough time at that old mill golf course, just like class one did. It was a tight course, and uh, a lot of scores went up um, from guys that had finished well in the region. And uh, so he finishes 23rd, but, uh, you know, that it was a good effort out of him. Uh, but we didn't have any two B teams competing, uh, Bruton's Dylan Olinger was low on the tournament. And, uh, actually that's the one I don't have the team updated. It showed yeah. four teams tied earlier. So I, I don't know what happened there. Just doubling back to class three, Abingdon won the team one, uh, Lord Botetots, Ashton Harper won the individual. I do think it was interesting. Abingdon won the team contest by like 20 strokes on i think their home course it is their home course yeah so i thought that was a little (laughs) tough um but then class one that's where we had the most locals uh competing we have buffalo gaps team competing uh they did not fare well uh on that golf course and uh they didn't even get four golfers uh scores in so they didn't um post a number but they got out there and competed and they had uh you know plenty of guys involved uh but they just all shot high numbers uh, in the class one tournament, Riverheads individual, uh, had a good day. JP Crawford, he shot a 100 to finish 28th, showing how tough it was out there. That was actually ahead of all those, uh, gap golfers. Uh, but he's a freshman. I think that's the positive sign there. That's why I wanted to mention it is we're probably going to be hearing about his numbers at the state tournament the next three years, uh, cause he's already achieving that at such a young age. Um, but in class one, Lancaster won the States and a, uh, George with golfer Benson Blevins uh, shot a one under par to win that uh, match there. So uh, that was good. Uh, You know, I haven't, uh, the thing I like about the Yak Cup is that we're paying more attention to this high school golf. And I know we kind of caught it late, but uh, I was interested to kind of read up on it. And uh, I worked with a guy whose son played on the, on one of the teams. So I was hearing a lot of the inside information. So it was, it was fun down the stretch here to, to follow this golf a little bit closer and, and, you know, being the homer that I am, I'm encouraged by this Riverheads freshman that's already competing there. Yeah. We'll be paying attention to competition cheer next week. That Shenandoah district tournament is next week week. or this week, actually on the 16th. So we'll have that for you. The next episode of the Yak sports podcast, and we will be updating the Yak cup standings. Exciting stuff. We will. So jumping over to NCAA football, I watched a lot of football Saturday again. Yeah. And uh, it, it was capped off <laughs> with disappointment with the Hokies yeah. up eight with four minutes to go. And that's when we all should have cut off our TVs and gone home because nothing happened. Good happened after that. The old saying, nothing good happens after 9 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> they give it back away to Notre Dame. Um, they let them score 11 points late. I, the thing that, you know, I can spin it this way and that, and I'm sure our listeners have already heard plenty of talk about the game and disappointment with coaching decisions. Notre Dame beat us, and we, you know, hope to be a good program, hope to have some standing. And Notre Dame beat us, and they didn't even move in the rankings. So beating Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech on a Saturday night doesn't even sway voters in these polls. And uh, I think that's a, a message received I, right there. 
I think that's also in part because they know that this is a team that barely beat, barely beat Florida State, who we know is not good. Barely beat Toledo, who's not good. And now barely beats Virginia Tech, who just isn't good. Like, and, and let's be honest. Yes, the coaching at the end was poor. Anytime you have an eight-point lead and you can't hold on to win, that's poor. But this goes into the goal line in the red zone. I mean, I know Cornelson yes. is going to learn. We yeah. heard this after the West Virginia game. No one's going to pay attention and iron out the details more than him. But it's a it's a recurring theme that he's just he can't iron out the details. His iron's not plugged in. I don't know. Um, I am in favor of using the iron as a weapon on him at this point. Like he's just not getting the job done, and he's not good at this. Fuente wants to, you know, hitch his horse to that wagon. That's fine. Run them both out of town. I don't care. I, I'm over, and I, I'm over the, the Virginia Tech it Twitter. Easy. I'm over the Virginia Tech Twitter and the sons of people, you know, oh, you know, go out there and support these kids. You know, they've worked really hard for this and blah, blah. No, because there's only one way you're going to get this across the administration, and that's to stop going and to stop, stop funding this and just say, we are done. You're going to make a change because we are done. That's how this happens at this point, because that's the only way you get this message across that this is not good enough. If you keep going to the games, if you keep acting like nothing is wrong, they're going to keep treating you like nothing is wrong, because all they care about is the money at the end. And so it, once that stops, they're going to be like, oh, wow, our major cash cow dried up because this idiot sucks at coaching. Also, he keeps telling us Braxton Burmeister's got something that he just hasn't unlocked and they're working on unlocking it. Well, let me tell you about another guy who just we weren't able to unlock and we were going to keep on working on it. Well, he unlocked it at Tennessee. Hendon Hooker is one of the best quarterbacks in the country now that he's left Blacksburg. Unreal. For Tennessee. He's not on a good team, and he's one of the best quarterbacks. Unreal. One of the best quarterbacks in the SEC who they score plenty of points down in the SEC. I don't know if anybody's noticed this. Yeah. I don't know if the old Miss Alabama game last week proved anything or anything we saw this weekend where, especially in the yeah, second Arkansas half, Ole Miss. disappear. Yeah. But Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, who's not even a great team, who's not even playing for an SEC championship, he's having a great year. And I don't, I what what talent evaluation kept him off the field at Virginia Tech? I, and I'm not even saying in comparison. He wasn't even this good when he was in Blacksburg, though. We got to be able to get the guys this like we got to get them here. We and that, that that you know that's my point is that we have to be able to develop this. We have to learn, and that goes back to the goal line. Like we have to learn. Like that's what you say when a team isn't performing up to standards. Well, we like what we saw in the fight. We saw learning. We saw them get better. We're not getting better. We're not learning how to score in the red zone. We're doing uh, just. We're making the same mistakes we always make. And here's the thing. Stop telling me this guy's a quarterback guru. He hasn't developed a single quarterback his entire time there. He inherited hey, but, one. But, Joe, you're forgetting. We had such a great win that opening week of the season. We, that North Carolina team was so good that we beat them that first week of the season. That's why they've lost three times since then, including this week, and getting their butt speed in by Florida State, the team that's terrible. Like we didn't, we haven't beaten anybody this year. We've lost to nobody too. Like we haven't had a, we haven't played a great opponent this year, and we're two and three, three and three, two, three and two. We're three and two against nobodies. Yeah, against we're not the good. Name of Notre Dame. Yeah, we're not good. We're not good. We lost to a bad West Virginia team. 
that we should have yep. beaten. We lost to yep. a overrated Notre Dame team that we should have beaten. And this team should be undefeated. The ACC is never going to be weaker than it is right now. And we can't take we... advantage of it because we absolutely, without a shred of doubt, suck. We suck. And we have maybe the dumbest coach in the conference. And our offensive coordinator is, without a doubt, the dumbest coach, uh, the dumbest assistant coach in the conference. And I'm telling you, all the people being like, well, you know, the entire Coastal's bad. Why can't we have a chance? Because you're about to see what happens when a guy who I don't think is that good of a coach and Pat Narduzzi comes in next week and absolutely beats us senseless. To be absolutely fair to UVA fans that listen to this podcast, a couple weeks ago, you said, well, what about our attention? Why aren't we getting attention? I said, just wait till this week when you get your brains beat in, and then you can shut up. That's what I say to my Hokie fans this week. Well, we're still undefeated in the ACC. We got, we are playing. Wait till we get our brains beat in this week, and then you can shut up. Because we have absolute, like, our defense is the better side of the ball. We still give up points. And Pittsburgh is the best offense that we will have faced all season. They are going to score points against us in Lane Stadium this week. No doubt about it. And we have no capability about scoring them in this game. It's not. And let me tell you what's going to happen because I've seen it against Pitt twice before. We're going to quit. We're going to quit in that second half. And this is going to be the week. It's going to be the Pitt game again where everyone wants to burn that stadium to the ground with the coaching staff in it. I am so – and then it's going to be the same thing. It'll be a tire fire on Hokie Twitter for two days, and then on Monday, the Billy Schmurdas and the sons of people and the rest of his – Sons of people will Even come out. Optimistic Hokies over it. Even optimistic is out. Yeah, but Billy Schmurter's going to come out on Monday and be like, "I'm disgusted by Hokie Twitter." Well, I'm disgusted of your lack of intelligence. You obviously aren't watching the same football I am. You know who is real Hokie? You know who are real Hokies that I'm not going to question is these guys that have played in the past. These former players and say that, that we're not good. And absolutely <laughs> trashing Fuente and what's happening and what's going on there. He's not trashing the players. He's co- he's trashing the coaches. So it's fine. I don't. Get, I mean, come on. I'm going to be a Hokie fan long after Justin Fuente's gone. No matter if he gets fired tomorrow, fired a year from now, or stays for 30 years, I'm going to be a Hokie fan beyond his tenure at Virginia Tech. So it is not wrong for me to say what is happening now is not good good enough and it's fine for any fan to have the opinion that 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 needs to change because it's been proven that it needs to change it's some wild irrational thought that i used to try to put on you early in this thing it's proven now it's beyond if i'm saying it my goodness it's proven because i'm mr optimistic on this podcast about the Hokies in our conversations in private i remain that way and i'm no i've been done for a while now it is absolute fact and this saturday is just going to be the nail in the coffin at that point but probably not the nail in the coffin for Fuente. We're probably still going to have to lose four more games for anybody to fire his butt. <sighs> Smartest person in the room Saturday was your kid. When I asked him, <laughs> is Virginia Tech going to win? And he said no. Smartest person in the room. Yeah. I, I can ask him if he wants a cookie right now, and he says no. He's at that age. <laughs> well, at least he was right. <laughs> UVA, they win again. They are just twice now have, have – come up on the right end 
a missed field goal by the opposition team, which I guess there's only one into the, but Hey, at the end of the game, they're leading and they're forcing a team to kick. And for the second week in a row, they win because that kick misses. They beat Louisville. Um, you know, Hey, good for you guys being in a position to win. I don't hear a lot of UVA talk right now either. I think people are realizing hey, they're pretty fortunate to win these last two. Uh, but hey, they got Duke. We, we have Pittsburgh this week, and we're going to get our brains beat in. This week, UVA is going to win. They're going to beat Duke. They're not going to have to have Duke miss a field goal for it. They're going to beat Duke by three touchdowns. So good for UVA. They'll have a better record than us, and they're going to start thinking they're better than us in the state, and I'm not going to have any ammunition to argue with. I was going to say, I don't feel good about any game on our schedule anymore. Except Duke, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I would consider that a win, but I, my default response to what you said is, yeah, I don't feel good about any game. I just, uh, we're not man. good. We aren't good. Uh, we're going to go in at a disadvantage because of our coaching. Every time we get ready to go in the locker room and I see Fuente just like yell at the kids and rally round, rally round. I just want someone to knock him unconscious because whatever he tells that team, at halftime is the dumbest thing they hear all week. I, I, I get so irritated with Narduzzi. I hate seeing his face. I hate hearing him argue. I probably am not going to hate him this weekend because he's probably not going to have to argue. He's probably just going to stand calmly on the sideline. He's going to laugh. He's going to be laughing yeah. in the middle of in the middle of the third quarter when his team has like three hundred rushing yards and he's putting his backups in and they're beating us by thirty points and we've totally quit in Lane Stadium, and that place is doing silent library. That's the other thing. We have such a passionate fan base. That Those fans were absolutely going nuts for that game. And I knew it. I knew it in the pregame. I was like, man, they're going to feel really dumb when we lose. But then when we were up eight, I was like, wow, we're actually going to beat Notre Dame. And I started to believe. And then it gets taken from you. And I'm thinking, okay, well, overtime, I guess. No, no, they're going to find a way to lose this in regulation. Also, do we not coach? Are we the only team that doesn't call a fair catch? I know it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but we lost like seven seconds on a kickoff return that got us what? To the 18? Yeah, we even lost yards. Call the fair catch. Do we not coach that? Maybe not. I mean, I I don't know what happens in our practices. If you told me that they played solitaire during football practice for an entire week, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. I don't think anything of, like, critical thinking or football intelligence or anything goes on during the week in those practices. No, that duck-duck-goose is good for that agility and uh, problem-solving. If you told me our playbook was derived from EA Sports NCAA 14, I would not be shocked. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Uh, I mean, Are we sure it's not NCAA football 98? I mean, 14 seems way too high tech. Like, <sighs> sticking with uh, FBS level, there was a lot of good games on Saturday. Yeah. Despite the angriness that I ended up with at the end of the night, uh, man, it was a fun day watching football. Uh, we, were, we were together for all the endings, which were, were great. Uh, early in the day, we had Ole Miss-Arkansas game. That was a thriller of mm-hmm. 52-51 thriller absolutely um uh arkansas went for the two in the win which i always respect yes uh, they didn't get it but i, I respected the call mm-hmm. they just didn't want to put their defense back in the field as you absolutely clearly called in our living room and uh yeah that was awesome that was the right reason for that decision like 
there is no way their defense was going to hold up in an overtime. I wouldn't. Now, to be fair, if I was Ole Miss, I wouldn't have trusted our defense on that two-point conversion. And I don't think Lane Kiffin really did either. You could see, like, Lane Kiffin didn't even celebrate when that two-point conversion didn't happen. He was just relieved. It was like he he was not breathing that entire play. And then when it was finally incomplete, he was like, he just breathed. And it was like, yeah, because those defenses, there was 1,200 total yards in that game. It, both teams had over 600 total yards. It was atrocious. <laughs> Ole Miss gets to keep his yeah. job because they stopped him on a two-point conversion. But, I mean, my goodness. <laughs> Oklahoma, Texas uh, might have topped it. Uh, I mean, it was <gasps> exciting, crazy. Texas jumped out to the early lead. Oklahoma storms back. I'm, at, I'm pretty much just rooting against Spencer Rattler being on the field or performing well while on the field. Uh, I noticed he played – uh, you know, baby after the game and just walked off the field while his team celebrating. He just went by himself to the locker room. Interesting there. Uh, Oklahoma wins, which doesn't really make us happy because, no. you know, I was rooting for Texas in that game. But uh, like I said, I was rooting for the backup Oklahoma quarterback. I was rooting for his success because it just made Spencer Rattler look worse. And uh, it was just a last man standing game. I mean, Oklahoma's coming down the field just to set up a field goal and Texas just lets them right in the end zone. Not on purpose. Not what, not like in the NFL. Yeah. Where, uh, Cleveland and Chargers, where they just pushing each other into the end zone so they get the ball back. No, this was defense was played. He just walks into the end zone to win the game by a touchdown instead of a field goal. Uh, yeah, it was a those noon games were fun. Yeah, because he scores with like two seconds left or something like that. I mean, it was yeah. it was so bad. The I de- believe that <laughs> special teams guy did make a fair catch and they got thrown another. Yeah, offense. they at least got to run an offensive play <laughs> because they were smart enough to call a fair catch. Although that with two seconds left, that's when I maybe look at my kickoff return like, hey, you're our best shot. Like, yeah, honestly, the kickoff return is a better shot. Yeah, you look at that's when you look at them like, all right, Obi Wan, you're our only hope. Like, <laughs> but the yeah, second- I just. That that whole defense was just laugh out loud funny in that Oklahoma Texas game. I mean, it was laugh out loud funny. And Bevo has his own fan and everything. Oh yeah, good. Bevo's fine. Bevo's taken care of. In the second window, Georgia and Auburn. Georgia just runs away from Auburn. I, not a whole lot to say for that one. Uh, but Penn State Iowa was a heck of a ball game. Twenty three twenty. You know, either team could have won that big interception late. Seals it for Iowa. Um, I, you know, I came into this thinking Penn State was the better team. I would have picked Penn State. Uh, I was really looking forward to the other big games Penn State has, which I do still think are big games. I think Penn State's very capable of knocking off Michigan, Ohio State, whoever they face. But now Iowa's in the driver's seat and has that Big Ten spot in the playoff uh, committee's eyes. And uh, that was a heck of a game, too. I haven't seen. And I think the real question is how long is uh, Penn State's quarterback out? Because when he left, that was a different game. It was a big uh, difference. Yep. Penn State was up two scores before that. And Iowa, with Penn State's backup in, that literally could not move the ball, uh, didn't score until late to get the lead. So that was that was interesting. I thought it was tighter than that the whole way. But, yeah, it, was, it felt contentious the whole way. Uh, but, yeah, the quarterback going out was huge. So, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, but good for Iowa. They found a way to win. And probably the highlight, not even probably, we know it's the highlight. Whenever Alabama loses, that's always going to be the headliner. Um, they lost to Texas A&M, Texas A&M, who had already lost two games. And so Jimbo Fisher becomes the first, you know, 
Saban disciple to come back and beat his old, uh, you know, head coach that he had coached under. And they win 41-38. And that was that game where they got up. And I, I, I said it, and you didn't disagree. was like, yeah, they're up, but Alabama's going to come back and win. And it kind of carried on. And we still, uh, yeah, Alabama's going to win by two scores. And then it got interesting. And Texas A&M won that game. They stayed ahead. And uh, they win that ball game. That uh, it, it was a heck of a game. I guess what I take away from this is yeah, good for Texas A&M, whatever. Alabama lost. Uh, then I see the coaching rankings and AP rankings come out. I'm still seeing teams ahead of Alabama that I would still say, like, yeah, Alabama's probably still better than them. Like, and, and Yeah, like number two uh, and number three. Yeah, they're going to get their chance against Georgia to, to see if they can get play their way. They, they still control their destiny, does Alabama. But they're on the outside looking in for now, according to the polls that we have. And, uh, yeah, they have Ohio State right ahead of Alabama. No, I think Alabama is better, even with the loss. It just, you know, that's SEC. They know each other. They play those tight games. And how often do we see the SEC? You know, there's those tight games for Alabama or Auburn or all that, Georgia, and then all of a sudden they play someone else. Just I, I, They beat the heck out of them. And I, I, I think Alabama would destroy Iowa. So. Yes. I think and if destroy they destroy might be strong, but they would win. Uh, destroy mm, might be strong. Destroy is Iowa not strong. Does play a good defense, and and maybe they can keep it a little bit. But I I don't think they'd be about forty. Uh, but yeah, probably multiple scores. I what is our def? I think three scores is destroying somebody. So I said two scores. So I think it's three. Um, a strong a strong. No, I'm saying I think destroy. I'm agreeing that destroys three, and I think Alabama beats Iowa by two scores. Oh, I think they beat them by three. I think Iowa does not have a prayer in that game. <sighs> I don't know. I, it's it makes things interesting. Hey, you know, you go into college football season, you always oh, it's the same teams. It's this and that. Ohio State's lost. Clemson's lost. Alabama's lost. Clemson's out. College, college football's trying to keep us <laughs> guess on our toes and keep us guessing, and I appreciate that because. I think if anything, this weekend's proved to me is I, I just love college football so much more than the NFL. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and trash on the NFL, but it's just, I love sitting there and watching all these different yeah. games of college football and the NFL, I need end zone. <laughs> I need red zone. And yeah. I need that channel that shows me all the games at one time. If I'm going to sit and watch a full game, it's pretty much got to be one heck of a matchup or the Steelers and and there here I am every game that I just mentioned I paid a lot of attention to on Saturday and they all not necessarily were heck of a matchups they were solid but yeah it's just a great sport I love it yeah I think <sighs> if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship yeah they're both in if Georgia yep. beats Alabama who knows? I think Penn State will beat Ohio State if their starter is back. I think uh, I don't know who Iowa still has left, but um, it, it'll be an interesting schedule. Uh, see, let's see. Loss, Alabama, Wisconsin. Say, I, I want to drop back. He just said if Georgia beats Alabama, and you paused. I, hey, I was positive about Cincinnati last week. Do I think Alabama's not as good as Cincinnati? Yeah, but if Cincinnati goes undefeated and Alabama loses in their S- in the SEC yeah. championship and has two losses, if they do that, I'd kick Oklahoma out is who I would kick out. 
Sure, I don't want Oklahoma in there. I don't think they're any good. Texas is probably better than them. They just didn't have as many points on Saturday. I yeah, I agree. I just if Watch Spencer test. Rattler gets I to test. keep starting for Oklahoma, they'll drop a game somewhere. My my worry is they're going to change their quarterback and they're going to be a little bit better. Well, they'll probably play Texas again in like the oh, SEC God, in the, the Big glorified Twelve Championship. Probably lose that one. Big Twelve Championship, yeah. Well, they might have Oklahoma State. Who knows? But the Cowboys. Oklahoma plays Okie State like the last week. They might play him again. They might play him back to back. Wouldn't that be looking ahead at this week? There's not as many ranked on ranked games, but still Kentucky, Georgia, um, you know, Kentucky's having the dream season. Can they make it even more of a dream season? No, Georgia's going to absolutely crush them. Uh, But uh, it's kind of handy because I'm pretty busy this weekend. I I just had two straight weeks of watching a lot of college football. So this I'm actually fine with this weekend, not, you know, encouraging my wife to divorce me. (laughs) <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Georgia, Kentucky is... Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's not... Number one Kentucky versus number 11. <laughs> I just yeah. saw the line. I'm sorry. Georgia's a 23-point favorite. So that tells you what <laughs> that tells you what Vegas thinks of Kentucky. Top 11 matchup, and it's a 23-point. Um, no, it looks like what maybe is the best game of the week is uh, Oklahoma State plays Texas, 12-25. and 25. That's the big new 40, game on Fox. 48-45, I guess. Yeah. Texas is actually favored in that. Well, I think didn't. that's I just think that's people though looking too much into like, oh wow, they almost beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma's number 4. Oklahoma's not number 4. Oklahoma no. sucks. If Oklahoma lost to TCU, well, way, I would Joe, not be surprised. It's giving you money. That's free money right there they're giving you. Uh, <laughs> bet against the people. I might <laughs> the thing is the big 12 is just who knows yeah yeah exactly but that game could be 48 45 i mean easily that's true i'm they're giving me five and a half what's the over under <laughs> 60 oh over over <laughs> oh they're giving away money <laughs> they're giving away money this week is this hammer the over <laughs> hammer the over 60 <laughs> Woo. All right, the NFL. We'll start. We'll start with games. Um, your Ravens won. I guess I would say the most exciting game this weekend. It was boring for three quarters, but then the fourth quarter, the Ravens finally woke up. They came back and tied it. Got into overtime. I might have fallen asleep, but they won the game. Ravens win. Yeah, it was smart. Um, this year, the Ravens are. You know, we've been on prime time a lot, and we're taking care of prime time. We had a thrilling overtime loss in week one to the Raiders. We had a thrilling Monday night win against the Chiefs. Or was that a Sunday night win? I think that was a Sunday night win. Sunday night. Yeah. One one o'clock game. uh, You still brought the heat. Yeah. The one o'clock game. We won on a field goal. How long uh, was that again? 66 yard (laughs) field goal that set the record. And then this week we're back on prime time. 66 yard field goal every day since it's happened. Yep. Uh, but we're back on prime time this week. We spot the Colts a huge, I think it was 19-point lead. You kept the eyes on it. And come back and win it in overtime. Never doubted for a second. Lamar, just like I said, great quarterback, great at throwing the ball, <laughs> will always be able to lead us back. He threw it like 80 times, didn't he? 
He had 400 yards passing. I never thought I would see the day where Lamar Jackson would have 400 yards passing. Kudos to him. He proved me totally wrong. So happy. Now, they didn't cover the spray, which was annoying. But uh, in in all fairness, hats off to Lamar because he has taken that step forward as a passer this year and done when we needed him, he threw the ball and got the job done this week. Yeah, he he did play well, and, and he, it wasn't one of those games where he had to like really get over. Yeah, he wasn't bailing us out well. because of mistakes he made. He bailed us out because we weren't playing very well, and then he started playing phenomenal. The Steelers, you know, it's not like they looked a whole lot better. I don't think a lot of the Broncos, but they did get some stuff done. They haven't been doing. They got the rushing game going a little bit. Been completed some passes, so they win the game. I'm no more optimistic about the Steelers than I was, uh, but I'm glad they won a game. Um, I know some Steelers fans are seeing the right on the wall and starting to root, you know, tank, tank for something. I don't know what we're tanking for. Uh, Trevor's already been drafted. Rattler. Uh, Stop saying that. I want (laughs) to probably hit you every time you say that. Um. Yeah, so that's that's what they have. The Ravens next week, they are a 1 o'clock game against the Chargers, Seahawks, and Steelers on Sunday night. Washington football team, they get back into action this week against the Chiefs. They're going to wish they beat the Saints in a, a, a winnable team to beat in a winnable game, and they just didn't take advantage of that. So now they play the Chiefs, who are going to be hungry for wins. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, coming back to that in a second. But the Washington football team, 2-3, and three, I, I see that record – keep getting lopsided in a bad way yeah I just think their defense has not been what they had hoped this year and that's bad news for Washington because that was the strength of their team I know Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt uh, at the beginning of the year that doesn't help uh, but I think if the defense was doing what What's, the defense is doing this year it, it almost doesn't matter um, I just don't know what the drop off from Fitzpatrick yeah. to Heineke really is. yeah like, it's not I agree brand. I don't think it's that big of a gap to the reason they've won and lost games. Um, they've been in a lot of these games, which is probably frustrating for them. But to be honest, they're an offsides away from being one and four. I mean, if the Giants don't jump offsides on that kick, they're one and four. So um, I, I just, it's, it's really not looking like a great season for the football team uh, right now. I you think got Dallas right. in that division playing pretty good football. So Dallas is playing well. Philadelphia looks like they're starting to play better. Um, so it's going to be a problem. We talked about the Chiefs there. They're going to be hungry for a win. They're two and three. I, you know, I know the Chiefs coming off Super Bowl appearance, um, in, in in the last two Super Bowls, winning one of them. They're going to have a hard schedule, and and playing the Bills is part of that hard schedule. But you got to be winning them, and I think they're overrated. I even in games they've won, they've had to kind of come back. I, I don't like, I never like that approach of <laughs> we'll we'll start playing better here soon enough. I, I just it's not my way. So uh, yeah, not Bills, everybody though, can be they, the Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> they look the Bills look very tough. They're four and one yes. now. They're only lost to the Steelers in the only game the Steelers played that great on defense, and uh, the Bills look real and, and they should I, I don't think either of us doubted the bills i just think we also thought the chiefs were going to be pretty good this year so uh you know i it's one game and there's 17 of these so chiefs will have their opportunity they're still not in a terrible spot but that's a tough looking division there they have to play the chargers twice 
Uh, they've already played the Raiders and lost to them. Um, you know, that's a, a tough division out there. The Rams looking good. So, you know. It was the Chargers no, they lost to. Rams are NFC. The Chargers. It was the Chargers they lost to and the Ravens. Yeah. Sorry, I said the Rams. I meant the Broncos. Uh, the Broncos started out hot. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to have to play these teams that have wins already. You know, they're not, they're not looking at over team or one win teams in their division. And especially the Chargers um, looking good out there. It's going to be tough on them. Let's just dump there to the Raiders. Uh, you know, the Raiders beat the Chiefs already once this season. No, they did They got their own turmoil going on. You're, you're giving the Chiefs an extra loss. Chiefs are two and three. They lost to the Bills, the Ravens, and the Chargers. I I did it twice. I said it twice. It has to be true. That's how this. I tried to correct you, and you kept. No, I blow through whatever you say because I want to be right, and I said it twice. I'll say it three times. Maybe that'll make me me right. Once, (laughs) twice, three times—the wrong answer. Well, the Raiders (laughs) might not be as tough to deal with because they're going through their own turmoil down there. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. Uh, John Gruden has been, uh, he resigned. Uh, He's gone. Uh, That was a mutual parting of ways. So I don't think they have to pay him any money. Um, And Yeah, he resigned. Yeah, so because he resigned, I don't think the Raiders owe him that giant buyout that they would. Ten-year contract just a couple years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this started over the weekend uh, with some news that there was an email with some uh, racial hostility from John Gruden and his time when he was working at ESPN about the NFL Players Association rep at the time, Demora Smith. And uh, then it kind of, you know, John Gruden was like, look, that's not who I am. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was, you know, potentially racially insensitive that's not who I am, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the more you, then like these other emails came out uh, later and the NFL released them to the Raiders and said, you guys handle this. And the Raiders looked at it. It got out to the media. And at that point, I think uh, John Gruden went in there, met with the team owner. And I'm pretty sure it was a conversation of like, look, which way are we doing this? Yeah, yeah. and um, he, he decided to resign. I just think the number of emails in there, uh, this and this wasn't even an investigation or anything that was into John Gruden per se. This had to do with, I believe, the Washington football team's investigation of harassment claims. Um, and so because a lot of these emails were to a former Washington football team employee in Bruce Allen, so... Just seeing the communication and the volume of it from John Gruden on a variety of topics. I mean, it was there was misogyny, there was homophobia, racism, uh, attacking concussion protocols, uh, all kinds of stuff in there. Pictures of uh, football team employees yes. on the cheerleading squad. Yeah, um, just a lot in there where you're like, wow. Um, he had to know, like, when he was making his initial statement, like, oh, if it was in that email chain, there's a lot of stuff in there that could be problematic. Um, so for him to even, like, pretend, like, yeah, this is going to be the only bad thing that comes out of that, um, I thought was insane in retrospect. But 
I think the reason the Raiders have to let him go is kind of what you saw from Randy Moss, where he's in like tears because he played for John Gruden, I believe. Um, and just that's those are the guys in the locker room that you're trying to talk accountability and you know we got to buy in and respect each other and blah 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 and all this and then this stuff comes out and you're like oh that's how you really feel about us or this is how you really feel about you know when I get a head injury this is how you really feel and this is you know I mean the Raiders have an openly gay player who is absolutely terrorizing opposing offenses this year he's gonna be like okay well now I know how you really feel about my orientation and you just can't that's a locker room now that you've lost like you can't go back in there and win that locker room back so I think there's a whole host of reasons one I I just it's not the behavior of someone that is representing a brand or a high-profile brand. It's not the behavior you want out of somebody. That's one reason to let him go. Two is he can't lead that room anymore. He just can't. He's lost the respect of his team. And three, when you it's the racial stuff, almost more importantly than all, everything else, it's just a PR nightmare and, and everything else, and it just makes you call into question everything else going on. And eventually, it just wears down to a point where the owner has to look at him and say, look, you've got to go. It would be great if you resign and we can do this, you know, easily and we can say it's a mutual parting of ways, and blah, 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 and you get it. You get what you did was wrong and you go on your apology tour and whatever you got to do. But, man, I just, when I saw that on Monday Night Football, I, I hadn't seen anything about it. When the news broke over the weekend, I must have missed it initially because I, now yeah. Sunday... Sunday I wasn't feeling the best, and Monday for most of the day I wasn't feeling great either. So I didn't, I wasn't too plugged into stuff going on uh, in the news. But when I saw that, I was like, "Man, what happened?" And I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh wow, uh, okay." And honestly, when you look at all that stuff in there, it's just not surprising. I, you know, and you talk about being unplugged. I was out of the loop on Sunday. I saw a couple of the, you know, bottom line kind of things. That was it. Uh, I was absolutely out of the loop all day Monday. And we, I, you and Steve texted and I was involved and it was like, I just told that Gruden had to go and now here he's gone. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa something escalated here. <laughs> Cause what I was seeing was minimal things. And so when I read two more headlines and I just see like the minimal words that you could apply to this, I was like, Good. Sure. I've never been a big Gruden guy. He never drew me into Monday Night Football with his with the way the way his. I know he did others. You know, he brought in ratings. They liked him. That's fine. He wasn't my guy. I never thought this Raider thing was going to work. I never liked the 10 year, you know, contracts and all that. All that aside, I read just, you know, two example things of what was discussed in his emails. And I was like, he's got to go. Absolutely agree with this. He's got to go. And so I think that's when you know who the right decision's been made is when you don't even have to hear that much and you know someone's got to go. I This opens the, the box. If it wasn't already open, it's wide open now because no way in heck that Gruden's the only one that has these kind of emails out there floating. 
There's no absolute way that this is it. I agree. So Bamani, I think it was Bamani it, Jones that said something similar. Uh, yeah, there you go. And, Great minds, right? And I was like, <laughs> oof. Yeah, I, I mean, my mind didn't even go there, but he's right. I mean, there's no way. Just the way they were casually having that conversation. There is it, Oof. It makes you wonder Anybody? if they start looking into other coaches and other organizations and other emails, what is in there? I guarantee you there's other coaches, uh, and I don't want to put names to these guys, but of that generation, of, of John Gruden's generation that are still in the league, plenty of them out there coaching teams that have been the Super Bowl the last two years, and, other people, and I'm not trying to put it on specific people, people <laughs> of that generation that are calling Hillary Clinton right now on how to address old emails. Like they're they trying to figure out how to handle this because they don't want 10 year old emails biting them in the butt. And um, I think there's a degree to where in society and pop culture that we're dealing with people, you know, getting canceled for things that happened 10, 15, 20 years in the past. And there is moments where I'm like, man, that's, that's tough to deal with. Like, you know, getting canceled for something that happened back then when it was so kind of usual around there, you know. And um, and I think there's been efforts against those people, and sometimes they haven't worked, sometimes they have, of getting them canceled. I think the topics covered by Gruden, from what I know, which is minimal, I, you know, I still haven't gone back and dug up all this stuff. I've, I've, I know what I've said, and that was a couple emails and then just overhearing things today. I, I, um, the topics covered there, sorry, is exactly, you got to, you got to address it. You got to be canceled. There's no beating around the bush here. This isn't an inappropriate joke one time 15 years ago. This is continual conduct that is just absolutely in the face of the people that you're working with. And so, uh, I have no problem with the retroactive canceling here. None. Well, and here's another thing that was brought up and I thought Pamani had a great point on. He knew this stuff was wrong enough to not say it when he was on air with ESPN in terms of his feelings of Roger Goodell and concussion protocols and Demora Smith and his intelligence and and all that was on TV and he did say it. And that's why he got fired immediately then. But he thought it, you know, that proved he he thought it was okay to say Gruden knew he can't say that on stuff on Monday Night Football. He can't say that sitting next to Mike Tirico. He can't see that with the audience that's watching Monday Night Football. Yeah. Yeah. So he knew it was wrong hear, enough to not say there. You also hear about the conversations, not necessarily recently, but not going back too far in the past, that these rookies have to deal with questions at the combine when they have the interviews and the inappropriate, terrible questions that they get asked referencing or surrounding their sexuality, referencing their mothers, referencing their families, referencing their, the girls in their lives yeah, I think some of that's been cleaned up, but it's not to the T. And I, I just, I think anybody older than Sean McVay better be <laughs> looking back and, and watching out. Yeah. And, and that's one of the youngest coaches um, and, and, and no guarantee he's clean, but it, I, I, there's a culture in that sport that is getting cleaned up. And this is kicking the door in on that. If it wasn't already open, that box is wide open now. Yep. This isn't the last of this. And I think that's I think that's good. Because Bruce I, Allen doesn't work somewhere else right now. That's yeah. I don't think is. I don't think you need that culture. 
I, I look, I know, like, oh, you know, we want tough guys and tough people in football and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's, there's tough and then there's just ignorant. And this is just ignorant. And we don't need ignorance in any culture. Dealing with these people that you're degrading and, and, and putting down. And I mean, you're, they are just your coworkers no and employers and employees. And no place for it. No, I, I agree. I, you know, I'm not across the board on anything inappropriate can never be said. Uh, Cause I think comedians walk that line all the time. Uh, you know, it's a pet peeve I have in mind with all the Dave Chappelle stuff going out right now is that he is a comedian. What do we want him for? I'm also not trying to defend him in this because I actually haven't watched the new special to really say what I what I think. But, I, you know, I also, you know, he's he, he's a comedian. He's going to do that. And he's also doing a lot of that on purpose. This is a football coach making these inappropriate comments. Like there is no place for that in that business, you know, public. If he feels that way, I guess he's allowed to feel that way. But. You just cannot be putting that out there and hope to keep your job. Yeah. And I guess and he's, he's you know, he would say it wasn't supposed to be out there, but it's just, it sheds a light on a, on a dark underbelly that the NFL would really has a problem with. Yeah. And I think though, to the NFL's, to a positive to the NFL, is that seems like they've worked hand in hand of getting this out there and making sure this is dealt with. And so this is one time where I think the NFL is probably acting in the right of, yeah, we got to clean this up ourselves. And so. It was the Raiders who cleaned it up. It wasn't the NFL, but yeah. Well, if the Raiders don't, what, the Raiders retain him, what, I mean, the NFL is going to do something. I mean, they're the ones that handed the emails over. I guess, yeah. I mean, that's how uh, this is going to work. I mean, you're going to you're going to let the team handle this first. And if they don't handle in the right way, you're going to swoop in behind them. I mean, that, that's not, I, you know, I think this is not bad on the NFL. If, if the NFL didn't want this to be a thing, they, there's actions they could have take to keep this from being a thing. They didn't do that. So I, I'll give them some credit Yep. because I think they've done that other times. So, you know, take care of your kids. That's good. <laughs> Baseball. Well, right now, Dodgers looking good. Are they? I, that's, that, that's exactly what I wanted to know is what the score of that game was. What, what have we Mookie got? Mookie Betts Live. just hit a home run, and it's 4 nothing in the bottom of the fourth. So that might go five games because the Giants are currently winning that series 2-1. All the other ones have been decided. The Braves took care of business on Tuesday, beating the Brewers. I don't think you had that right. Nope. Uh, Houston took care of business on Tuesday, taking out the White Sox. I don't believe you had that right. Nope. The Tampa Bay lost last night on Monday night to Boston. I don't know if either of us had this right, but oh, I think I actually might have had Boston. Did I? I don't, can't remember. I, I, I'm not going to claim that one, even if I did. Uh, but Boston wins that one, and they're riding some, some good fortune right now that they didn't have against in, leading in the week leading into the playoffs, but they have it now. So Boston will move on to take on Houston starting Friday, and the Braves will wait for the Dodgers or Giants either after tonight or after – they play tomorrow or two nights from now, but this one will get decided. So I, you said you're running national league at this point. Yeah. Whoever comes out of the national league will be who I root for. I can't root for Boston or Houston. I am not definitely rooting for Houston. I do think they're good. Uh, I am rooting for a Boston Atlanta world series. Now the way it works, uh, Steve and Karen, Steve cash. who has been on the podcast. His wife, Karen, 
Uh, she's a Braves fan. He's a Boston fan. So I'm, I'm rooting for like one of them have to sleep on my couch for a couple nights. That's, that's what I'm rooting for. I just can't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like when they beat the Yankees, that was one thing, right? It's a great thing. That but, was the one great thing. Yes. I don't, I wouldn't use the word great. Um, but then gotta hate the Yankees more than you hate Boston. I mean, it depends on the day. It really does. Um, then they beat Tampa. That's not okay. I, I really would rather Houston win. I'd rather Houston, Houston. You'd rather Houston than Boston. Yep. Even if they have to cheat. Cause the cheating that, that was, that involved, uh, Cora there. He was in Houston when he did that. Yeah. So Boston's probably cheating too. So I guess if they're both going to cheat, I'd just rather Houston win. I don't mind Dusty Baker, but I'm not. I'm not rooting for Houston. I'm definitely not rooting for Houston. I, I think can't, they're good. I I can't root. for I Boston. think last week I think I said I thought they'd come out of the American League, but I I don't want that to happen. I I just can't. I don't like them. I don't like their city. You don't, you don't like anybody left. I mean, look, their fans threw stuff at Tampa Bay's players and started chanting "FU Tampa" when they got called out at third base last night. I mean, real so classy about, bunch. Now, bring up your other point that you're going to bring up about. Oh, Major League Baseball happened. screwed Tampa Bay royally in that game three. Boston had the ball bounce off the wall as the ball is hitting off the wall to go back into play. A Rosarena. I think is who it was, but maybe it was Diaz, was at third, was at third going home. The ball then bounces off the outfielder and goes over the wall, and the uh, umpires go, oh, well, you know what? We're going to send the runner back. It's the umpire's discretion to where the runners go on that. No. Yes. It's two bases. It's a ground rule double. No, it is the umpire's discretion. He got two bases. The guy behind him got two bases. Yes, but the umpire also has the discretion to award extra bases as he sees fit. And as every call in baseball happens, he made a call immediately. Yeah, and then the then they reviewed it. So why do you think it's Major League Baseball? Why? Do you because think I think Major League Baseball was on the headset and said, give him third. Don't give him a run. God help he us if Tampa Bay beats Boston. Before he ever put a headset on, he put him back to third. No, they didn't have him anywhere. They immediately went to the headset. I don't think there was an official ruling because the runner was in the dugout. I thought as the announcers were saying, he's motioning him back to third. I thought I, I thought I immediately was hearing on the live call that he was going to be kept to third. I don't think so. Well, I, I don't know. It's a ground rule double. So many times in my life I've seen the ground rule double. I mean, we saw it. I know it's not. Yeah, but it's not baseball. a ground rule double. It's not it. like the ball JMU bounces softball. on the ground and then JMU hops softball. over the wall. Suffer from the same rule when the ball went under the fence over there in Oklahoma. It's, it's written in the same. No, it's different. It is completely different. It's not the ball bounces, never touched by a fielder, and then gets stuck under the wall or bounces over the wall or a fan reaches over it's and touches it. it. So the ball bounces on the ground, hits off the wall, comes back, hits the outfielder, and so then goes over the wall. So Boston is rewarded for misplaying the ball. 
Where are you putting the base runner after that, Joe? Where do you? I'm scoring the, the run. I'm saying he was standing at well, third base when your dumb outfielder misplayed the ball and went over the fence. It hits the wall. I'm treating it, it as the, I'm treating it's, it the same thing as if he had thrown run. it into the stands. I'm saying everyone gets an extra base. That guy on third goes home. That guy on second goes to third. So you're giving him three. Yes. That's what I'm asking you. Yes, I think that should be treated the same. I don't think that's crazy. I think that's absolutely how it should be treated. Because otherwise, why wouldn't an outfielder, if he realizes that situation, if they're in the same situation, why wouldn't an outfielder just totally take his glove and baseball swing it over the fence and be like, holy crap, I'm going to make sure that guy doesn't score. We can hold him at third if I smack it over the fence with my glove because it's a ground rule double. Also, I play for Boston. Everything will work out for me. Yeah. I play for Boston. <laughs> We're playing Tampa Bay, and Major League Baseball hates Tampa Bay. They hate him so much, they're trying to put the team in Montreal half the year. I just – I didn't get as fired up about that call the other night. And this, it was, that was my best such horse crap. With you. I, get, I get the point of, you know, if you make that call. But when it's a ground rule double, so many times I see ground rule doubles, and if there's a runner at first, he's going to be on third. So I just – I didn't get that – I wasn't that shocked and and by the I don't know why it's any different than the than a person throwing the ball out of play. Why isn't that a ground rule double then? I'd be interested to see an outfielder in that spot do that to see see how it is. I guess it would be a ground rule double cuz he'd be like, "Oh, crap, I misplayed the ball and it went over the fence. What was I supposed to do?" I saw people say it should be a home run, and I said that's immediately not, not no, it. No, it shouldn't be a home run. But <laughs> it did hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, I think it should be treated the same as if a fielder throws the ball out of play. It's a fair, a fair argument, though. He did not – like, if you throw it out of play, it's like your physical action – is the reason um, the ball went out of play. You're the reason the ball went out of play. Yeah, but like your intentional action, and this is like he's just running towards the fence and things just bounces off of him. I, like, I, is he not intentionally yeah. running at the ball and then the ball bounces off him and goes over the fence? He's not intentionally playing the ball. Like he didn't play the ball. It just freaking hit him. So he like was he going over there for fun? He didn't go over there to play the ball? He just went over there? Turn and throw it? Well, or, but they're not intentionally throw throwing the ball way. into the stands. It's an error. He made an error. The ball bounces off of him and goes into the crowd. That's an error. I mean, hey, runners move up. The sport is that every night I feel like there's been something that's happened in this where it's like I've never seen that before. <laughs> like to me, that's an error. Plays. He didn't even get charged with an error. It's just a ground rule double. That's amazing. That's the first time I've seen someone do something incredibly. Well, no, because baseball happens all the time. Because how there's stupid dumb score, was he? He's like, the ball, like bounced off the wall and hit. Like he how? screwed up, and the ball goes over the fence, and he doesn't get charged with an error. My goodness, infielders would kill to have that. The ball bounces off of them, and they don't get charged for an error when the guy gets extra bases. They would kill I for guess that when luxury. Three hundred twenty feet away, it's different, I guess. Yeah, maybe if the first baseman reached his glove over, the ball hits him, hits his arm instead of his glove, and then shoots off into the crowd, it'll be a ground rule double. He doesn't get an error. 
that'd be amazing. All right, let's get out of here. Unless, of course, Boston or New York's batting, in which case they'll get a home run. They'll call it a home run then. D-block time. D-block time here on the Yak Sports Podcast. Joe Deck, why don't you lead us off here? It was another great race in F1 this weekend, Leland. It was Sunday morning, and we were in Istanbul, Turkey, where it was an interesting race. Lewis Hamilton had to start from the back because uh, he decided to change his engine. So because of that, he had to start in the back of the field. And F1, it's when you have a better car like Lewis Hamilton does, you can move through there relatively quickly but he struggled to get through the entire field he ends up finishing fifth his teammate botas wins his 10th career race uh he wins the race for his first one of the year and uh, it was a big win for him but red bull came away the big winners in the constructors cup because they had second and third they had the two spots on the podium with verstappen and perez big race in istanbul all right. Which is not, which is just like Constantinople because it used to be. My what's dominating my life was quick because it, it happened quick. I said two weeks ago that Ted uh, had its season finale and it was great and I was happy. Yeah, there's two more episodes we completely missed. There was a bunch of Twitter talk this, uh, this weekend. A lot of people online, social media talking about the season finale of Ted and we're like, oh, did we miss something? Yeah, there was two more episodes. So we watched uh, one in back-to-back nights and got it done, and it was even better, and it really sets you up for the next season. So if you haven't already watched Ted Lasso, go watch it now. This is the official Yak Sports Podcast recommendation. Stop waiting. Go watch it. You have two full seasons to watch. You can eat up seven or 14 days, whatever the free trial is, and get it taken care of because it's, it's so good, so worth, worth, worth watching. Love it. It's seven days, and I'm glad I didn't start it. Sounds. Are you sure the season is over now? Yes. Okay, so I can start it. Good stuff. Do you know anything that we need to know? I really don't. It's sad. I just don't. Well, I know that hockey is starting tonight. Yeah, you're going to talk about F1 and hockey. No, No soccer this week. No. Team USA has been, uh, how should we say, concerning. They ended up beating Jamaica, which is, thank goodness. But, I don't know. This team, when they play on the road, is just makes you want to pull your hair out. But hockey, um, the Penguins won against the defending Stanley Cup champions 6-2 to tonight against the Lightning. And uh, Seattle starts their franchise against the last expansion team, the Vegas Golden Knights. And at the time of this statement, they are down two to nothing in the first period. Just to circle back with the conversation that I'm glad we left, but I, the NFLPA is petitioning the NFL to release all WFT emails. So all the Washington football team <laughs> emails that Gruden sent, now the Players Association is wanting them all released. That's the box that's open, guys. That's that's what's going to take a lot of names that we know in this sport away quickly. 
that's what's about well, that. Another thing that we didn't touch on is Eric Reed being listed in those emails from John Gruden's when he said that the league should uh, blackball him. The PA is going to be very interested to know if Colin Kaepernick is brought up in any of those emails because this could be the proof that they've been looking for in that the league blackballed Colin Kaepernick case. And this could also be proof about some other stuff that the Players Association is going to have problems with come the next collective bargaining agreement. That is for sure. All right, so let's get out of here then. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook at Yak Sports Pod, or by email yaksportspod at gmail.com. Make sure you're telling your friends we'll have a lot of high school football stuff next week. We will also be bringing you updated high school volleyball. And as we said, high school competition cheer has their district tournament next week as well. So especially if you're a local sports fan of Augusta County, make sure you are following and letting us know. Until then, folks, we hope you have a great week and have a good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.